everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. It's Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. And I am beastless because David cannot remember that we have a show to record every Saturday. So he made another appointment. So you have just me today, but I promise you it will still be a fun and delicious show. Uh, a couple of quick housekeeping notes before I dig into all of our guests today. First and foremost, check out the list, areyouonit.com, the online zine that talks about everything happening in the D.C. food and wine scene. There are events happening every single day and promotions for you to get in on. And as I like to remind you on every single Foodie and the Beast show, Please support your local retailers and restaurants, especially during this pandemic. They need your help and they are doing so many different ways to engage with you. And it is up to you to uh, keep them in business so that they are here when we're on the other side. Uh, great things in the buzz, outdoor oasises all over the place. Check out all the great outdoor dining options and get ready. We've got St. Patrick's Day, March Madness. Easter and Passover coming up. So it's time to get your ducks in a row for all those great and fun holidays. All right, so on today's show, uh, Maxwell, one of the great wine bars in the DC area. There's not one, but there is two. Uh, and the one in the Navy Yard is celebrating its first anniversary. Uh, Brent Kroll and Nikki Lang uh, are partners in this business and they opened up Maxwell Navy Yard in uh, without knowing what was coming, a pandemic a week later. So we're going to get the story from them and how they are celebrating their one-year anniversary. Now, um, picnic time is almost back, and I have met Michelle Eisen. She has this adorable little company called Picnics and Peonies, and uh, she is sort of purveying these fabulous picnics for you to do in your backyard or at a park or whatever. So she's going to explain all the picnic pro tips when she comes on in a little bit. And then, have you heard about Box Trot Markets? If you haven't, you're living under a rock because they're opening up in DC. We've got one in Mount Vernon Triangle and one in Georgetown coming March 1st. Mike Lavitola is the co-founder and CEO and he's gonna explain the entire business model and it's truly fascinating. And wouldn't it be great to have some of your favorite restaurant meals in your kitchen? Um, aside from ordering delivery, sometimes you just need a little help. So this new company called Mise en Box is delivering restaurant meal kits to your door and they're working with local restaurant groups. It's a great idea and a well-executed concept and we're gonna learn more about it. But first, as we do on every show, Deb Moser, Central Farm Markets is joining us. Hey Deb, how are you? Good morning, Nikki, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. So how are things at market these days? The markets are busy. Um, we've survived the snow, the snowmageddons, <laughs> and we're ready for spring. It's starting to feel like spring. In fact, last night we grilled out. And wow. I want to tell you that if that isn't the first step towards spring, I don't know what is. Right. But I feel like you're jumping the gun a little bit, but I, I applaud your behavior. So let's talk every week when you come on, you tell us what's at market. And we're, we're at that time where, you know, we're sort of in a lull, right? Because we're all ready for like spring, spring. and summer and all the bounty that comes with it. 
let's talk about some of the purveyors that you have. Like, who would you like to highlight today? Well, let's talk about Chapel Hill Farms. Um, mm -hmm. They're a really great farm out of Virginia. And uh, Lucia and her husband, uh, Joe, they run the markets. And, uh, they run the, the uh, company. Randall mm -hmm. Lineback beef goes back to the colonial days. And it's a very old breed. It's one of the few heritage breeds that we still have left in the country. It was mm -hmm. saved by a farm in uh, the Randalls in Vermont. And from there, they were able to breed. The, the, it's the same DNA that they've had for 300 years. So um, these cows are now, and the, the bulls are now down in Virginia. There's about mm -hmm. 300 of them. And I got to tell you, that's the meat we grilled last night. And it is exquisite. It is um, grass. Well, they're pasture raised, right? It's all grass fed, pasture raised. Right, right. And it's, it is, it has a flavor that is so unique, so clean, so unique that you really get into this beef. Um, the ground beef is, makes some of the best hamburgers I've ever had. And um, well, last night we did the steaks and we thought we'd have some leftover for tonight, but that didn't happen. You know, <laughs> a bottle of wine and some steaks and there they went. So right. um, we're very excited to have them. There are all sorts of cuts that they're bringing to market and um, they're, they've been with us for the past year. So we hope you come out. Are they at both? Are they at both markets? They are at all the meat crafters stands. So they're selling okay. through meat crafters. So you can get them at any of the markets that meat crafters is at. And um, mm -hmm. we hope you'll try it because it's really good beef. Well, I will have to pull up the show. I had Lucia and her father on a Foodie and the Beast probably two years ago. And right. I know they did an industry night too. And their story their story is fascinating. And I, I love people who are so passionate about what they do. And uh, Lucia is. I, so they're a great story and a great product. So I love that they're now being featured at the market. Okay, Deb, tell everybody uh, where they can find Central Farm Markets and go shopping. Yeah, go online, centralfarmmarkets.com, and you'll find out all about us, about our home delivery, about all the great vendors. We're putting great lineups in. We're getting ready for spring. You're going to just love the markets this year. Excellent. All right, Deb. Thanks so Take much. Take care. Bye-bye. And I do want to remind everybody, you know, just as much as we talk about restaurants and retail and supporting everybody, don't forget we have to support our farmers too. Another uh, group that has been really hurt during this pandemic because a lot of them supply restaurants. So um, if you can go to the farmer's markets and support your local farmer, that would be great as well. Okay. So next we're bringing in Brent Crawl and Nikki Lang. So Nikki and I know each other, but Brent and I go like way, way back. And uh, Brent came on Foodie and the Beast when we first started. He was at an Ashok Bajaj uh, property and he poured wine in studio. I think he just turned 21. Um, anyway, it's been a real joy to um, have a friendship with Brent and watch him grow and now be an actual business owner. Um, so, Brett and Nikki, unmute yourselves. Come on. Let's talk about uh, Maxwell. So, you have Maxwell Wine Bar in Shaw, and then you opened up one in the Navy Yard. Let's talk about the overall premise. I mean, the overall premise is just like there are a lot of wine bars that kind of felt like a lot of the same to me. And after working in DC for like a long time, I thought there's got to be a lot of like sommeliers that work in restaurants that are just kind of tired of like what that entails in terms of like being a sommelier, like the sommelier manager role. They just mm -hmm. want to be in like a fun wine bar with 
a lot of by the glass, you know, a lot of rotating lines, kind of t-shirts and a very like casual theme. So I, I felt like it was too ambitious to do by myself. So I got two partners and Nikki is one of my opening day partners and she's now heading a uh, Navy yard, uh, the second. And I feel like the final location of Maxwell, cause I, I only want to do two of them. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the wine bar concept. So, because people are confused about it, I find. You know what I mean? Back like uh, 15 years ago, there was a wine bar explosion in the DC market, right? Like, you know, Teca and Proof labeled itself a wine yeah. bar. But it was really a restaurant. And then that whole sort of wine bar, for, it kind of died, sure. right? It's, it's really interesting because, like, if you have a big wine by the glass program and you have a bar inside a restaurant, you can call yourself a wine bar. That's right. like seating outdoor on your patio and calling it a garden because you have a plant. Like it's not, you know, <laughs> anyone can pretty much do it or say it. I guess for us, we were just like, as much as we want to have like good things to to eat and like have, you know, good cocktails or good beer or whatever, we're, we're not going to be everything for everyone at every time. And we're just going to try to excel in like a specific category. So it's mm-hmm. like you go somewhere <clears throat> and they're a seafood place and you're disappointed. They don't have steak. I mean, that's, that's kind of that's like, on you. <laughs> yeah, that's on you. And like, that's kind of like our approach that we took to it. Not, not in like a, a way that sacrifices hospitality, but in a way where like, let's just dominate the category that we're best at and not try to be okay in categories. We're not as great in. So how did you go about, Nikki, when it came to the Navy Yard property, how did you go about curating the wine for that area? Because it, it, you guys are really trying to be a neighborhood wine bar, not necessarily a destination wine bar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, both locations have typically around 50 wines by the glass, and we offer half glasses of everything so you can build your own uh, flight and we usually will build one for you um, if you tell us what you like and your preferences, things like that. Um, and so Shaw has monthly set themes and maybe I'd be wanted to do it a little differently um, where it's not a full month of a specific theme or a style of wines. It um, has more of like mini themes and it changes uh, more drastically or faster. Um, it's just a little more, uh, flexible down there too. And so mm-hmm. we, at both locations, we change our wines all the time. Um, but we have a little more flexibility down in Navy Yard. So there are different wines at both locations. So usually you can get between the two locations, a hundred different wines by the glass. And so we just like that's to have a, fun with it, change it. But that's a lot of wine to move. So, okay, let's just talk a little, let's get a little wonky. The pan- you opened up Navy Yard two weeks later, you got shut down. So how did you guys swivel, pivot, whatever you want to call it? How did you guys think outside the box and say, okay, this is what we're going to do now? Because people can't come in and just sit and have a glass of wine. Yeah, I guess for me, what I what I thought was like, all right, I'm going to go down my, <clears throat> my P&L or my, <clears throat> my profit and loss sheet, and I'm going to look at every single line and see what every single facet of the business is in terms of like how we spend, how we take in stuff. Uh, I actually did a post on social media where I posted how all businesses could try to like save money and avoid certain fees during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what we did is we went down to a day a week to go for three months. And then we reopened as the city would let us. But 
our bread and butter, I think, has always been that like if you come into Maxwell or if you go into like a fine dining restaurant for like an anniversary, it should feel almost like that wine person is like your concierge. And that's the part that we've always tried to hit on. And even with doing wines to go, doing virtual Zoom classes for people coming in when we can only have like 10 people in the bar at once, like that's kind of what we've always had as like a core value. Mm-hmm. So how did that translate? Translated like really, really well in terms of like regulars, like buying wines to go. And like I, there's sometimes you just go through looking at the same wall every day or going through the same scenario every day. And you don't really realize like how much love is there. But the amount of people that really ask about us, that like ask for tables when they can come in, buy wines to go, it's really heartwarming. And I, I would say I'm pretty taken back just to see like the level of support, you know, that we have. Hmm. All right, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about all the promotions you're doing to celebrate your one-year anniversary. This is Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. I am Beastless, and I'm enjoying it. We'll be back in just a sec. And we're back on Foodie and the Beast with Nikki Nellis. David has taken the day off today. I can't wait till I can take a day off. But in the interim, I am talking with uh, Brent Kroll and Nikki Lang of Maxwell Park. They have one in Shaw and they opened up one in the Navy Yard right before the pandemic hit. They have made it to this one year anniversary, which I have to applaud your whole team for because it's not easy to stay afloat in these times. What are you guys doing to celebrate, you know, your one year anniversary down at uh, the Navy Yard? We did a rift on what we do for the birthday in Shaw, which is half off Magnums, just being that like parties can't necessarily be as big and we still want to celebrate and like have everyone, you know, have fun that we uh, made it to this milestone. So we're doing a uh, half off bottles. We have about 70 bottles. These can be done in house or to go. And it's on a Tuesday and we're allowed to serve until 10, but we're opening at 3 p.m. And we have greenhouses, patio, limited indoor, and we're, uh, all walk-ins that night too so it's definitely great to check us out and we're also next door to alby which is uh i might have a bias but i think one of the best new restaurants there is oh without a doubt now let me ask you a question so you have greenhouses outside are those reserve only no they're they're walk-in you could def- well typically we do reserve them but this night we're we're just doing walk-in uh business just to be a little less like cumbersome with like however people want to come and get to us but Mm-hmm. We can kind of like take down your number and like send you a message when like, uh, you know, a table's available that night too, if you want one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, I'm so thrilled for both of you. Uh, it is a tremendous milestone to make it in a year. I'll be too, obviously, because they opened the same time that you guys did. And everybody has really hustled to come up with ways to uh, make it successful. So congrats on your one year and your almost four year for uh, Maxwell Shaw. And uh, we can't wait to raise a glass with you and celebrate. So we're so excited about picnic season coming up. I mean, listen, we're all going to have to be outside and continue to socially distance, vaccine or no vaccine. But setting up a picnic should be really pleasurable and beautiful. And a couple of weeks back, I got an email from Michelle Eisen. She has launched this new business called Picnic and P- Picnic and Peonies. And she's doing something really cool. And I'm so excited she's here to join me today. Hey, Michelle, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get a little bit of your background. Um, 
where'd you come from? What'd you do? And how are, how are you in the picnic business? Sure. So um, I was born and raised in Northern Virginia. Um, I went to Old Dominion University, was a cheerleader there. Um, I got my master's from Syracuse University in communications. Um, for the past eight years, I've been working at a company called uh, Newswatch, and we feature consumer electronics and technology and all of that good stuff. And I am the executive producer and host of that show. Um, so it's kind of interesting because that has no relation to picnics or design or charcuterie or food or anything that I'm doing now, but um, I'm also a COVID bride. And so my wedding was supposed to take place this past October. Okay, I just have to say, when you say COVID bride, <laughs> I know that's, <laughs> I think you have to change that term. Like, okay. It makes it sound like somebody died of COVID and that is not what happened. You just didn't, you didn't get to plan your big fancy schmancy wedding, right? Like that's what you mean, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. So my wedding, yeah, I probably should say it differently, but my wedding <laughs> got pushed back um, from October 2020 and it's now planned for this October. But everything that was supposed to happen throughout 2020, whether it was my bachelorette party, my bridal shower, obviously the wedding got pushed. And so I kept seeing this new concept of luxury picnics, um, but there were none that at the time on the East Coast. And so I realized that, you know, despite everything bad happening in the world, people still need to celebrate in safe and meaningful ways. And so I started Picnic and Genies just from my own experience as a bride dealing with this to give people, again, like I said, just a safe and fun, memorable way to celebrate their special moments. So what was, but why picnics and what is it that you're doing? So like, why would somebody hire you? What are you going to lay out for them? And what's the aesthetic? Like how, how are you putting it all together? Yeah, totally. So picnics for me, I just always loved. It's just something I've always liked doing. Um, and so I just kept seeing these pictures that I was just really drawn to online of people with these really beautiful setups. And so the concept of a luxury picnic is basically the glamping of the camping world, but for picnics. And mm -hmm. so what we do with our luxury picnics is we bring rugs, we bring tables, we bring pillows and poofs to sit on. The tables are beautifully decorated with all types of candle and beautiful decor, freshly arranged flowers, and then we have charcuterie. So what we do is we do this beautiful very elaborate setup for you. And then we also bring our charcuterie, which I like to call, we bring the snacks. Um, and then from there, if you want to go ahead and have your own food and, you know, bring that with you, you're more than welcome to do so. And so what is it about, like, why just charcuterie? I mean, if you're going to set up, do this whole aesthetic, what was it about setting up charcuterie that you decided that was something that you wanted to do? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that with charcuterie, it's just one of those things. So my business is very Instagrammable. Um, it's all about taking the pictures and, you know, feeling fancy and what have you. And that's kind of what charcuterie is now. It's very popular, obviously. Um, 
And it's something that I've always loved making myself and know that I can make it very well. Um, and it just- Okay, I think we should back up. You're not actually making the charcuterie. You're just making the charcuterie platters, right? Yeah, well, I'm okay. exactly. I'm assembling them essentially. Okay. I'm not okay. doing the cured meat myself or anything of all that right. nature. And so how I go ahead and obtain all the ingredients for it, I go to local farmers markets and things like that and just make really seasonal fun stuff to go ahead and build these boards so I'm not actually cooking anything okay Um, I'm just preparing them for people and so I don't want to get into the realm of cooking for people essentially Um, it's something I love doing in my personal life but not what I want to do with my business Um, but I think I think that I think that makes sense because you already know that there are people who are doing that well so, exactly. you know, maybe in the future, there's a caterer you partner with or a restaurant group you partner with who would, you know, do, you know, box lunches or box something that could complement what you're already doing, you know, yeah, most at the definitely. Yeah, most definitely. And that's something that um, down the line, I would love to go ahead and do and explore. And as my business grows, I'll have more options for people to maybe go ahead and add those on to their picnics or maybe have it as part of a package or something like that. So now where are people doing these picnics? I mean, are people just setting them up in their front yards? Or are you setting them up in parks? Do you, do you have to get permits? I mean, how does, how does, how does it work? Yeah. So right now I do all of my picnics and either permit free public parks or locations, um, but they can also do them in their home. So right now it's cold out. Nobody wants to do a picnic, but I can make the picnics inside. So I have people move around furniture in their living rooms. And then I go in and I just bring all the stuff and lay out, roll up their, their rugs that they have down, put mine down and just create these setups. So you can do them anywhere from inside your house to in your backyard. I've done them on rooftops in DC. They really can be anywhere um, as long as I don't need a permit in you know, a certain location. And do you bring, so is it primarily for the day? Are you doing it night too? Do you set up lights? Like how, how, how does it work for you? Like if I called and said, hey, I wanna do a picnic, how would you guide me through the process? Like, is every design the same? Do you come up with new designs depending on what the people want? How does it work? Yeah, so um, it's a very consultative process where I just speak with them and find out what they're celebrating. What is this moment? So for example, I'm doing a birthday later today. And Mm -hmm. so the woman that I'm working with, she wants lots of gold included in her picnic. So I'm kind of customizing it to how she wants. So there's different styles that I can suggest whether you want more of a glam style or a bohemian style. So there are those, you know, overarching themes, but if people want a specific color palette to be used, which I've been sent many of color palettes that I kind of had to adhere to, um, Mm -hmm. I, I just work with them to give them exactly what they want. And so you also had asked, you know, timing wise about bringing lights and whatnot. So right now I'm very flexible with my timing, but as the summer season hits, I'm going to have time slots for people to pick from. Um, mm-hmm. But right now if they want to have it at night to surprise their fiance for their anniversary, I can go ahead and make that happen and bring you know all the candles and make it very moody and romantic for them. I mean, I just love the idea of somebody coming in and setting everything up, how far in advance do people need to book with you? 
Yeah, so people, I've received people the day before trying to last minute book a baby shower that canceled on them um, sure. because, you know, COVID and everything going on and everything's so unsure. Um, so we were able to go ahead and make that happen. Um, ideally, nobody reaches out anymore the day before. Um, right. but typically, I, I would say, you know, we need at least a week. Um, however, we're booking out as far as September right now. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so if people are interested in doing a picnic, they should reach out as soon as possible because my whole summer has been already planned for me, essentially. Wow. Well, good for you. I mean, that's amazing given that you just launched this business. One quick last question before we have to go. Um, so because it is COVID and that's why you started this business, uh, is there any sort of things that you have to put in place for social distancing or anything like that? Or is that totally uh, on the onus on the person who's hosting the picnic? Yeah. So another great question. So I have a UV light that I use to go ahead and wipe over all the pillows and rugs and just things that can't be washed. Um, mm -hmm. But when I'm setting up everything and preparing everything, obviously masks and gloves are involved. Um, I also have hand sanitizer on the table that I actually put in um, a plant spritzer because they just look really pretty. So I mm. try to make it as safe as possible um, just because this business, you know, started from COVID and the pandemic and really trying to um, do things in a safe way. Excellent. All right. Well, please tell everybody where they can find you online and uh, on Instagram. Yeah, so if you go to uh, picnicandpeonies.com, you can go ahead and reach out to me directly through our contact form, or you can go ahead and follow us at Picnic and Peonies on Instagram or Facebook. Excellent. Thanks so much, Michelle. Okay, this is Nikki Nellis. I am beastless today on Foodie and the Beast, but when I come back, we're talking to Mike Lavatola of Fox Trot Markets. They are opening up around the D.C. area. We'll be back in just a sec. And we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, except there's no David. It's just me, Nikki Nellis. So thanks for joining us. Uh, we've had a really fabulous show so far. We've talked about Brent and Nikki over at Maxwell Park celebrating one year in Navy Yard. You need to be there on Tuesday to celebrate with them. And uh, picnics and peonies. Start planning your picnics for the summer season. And now I'm very excited. We're going to be talking to Mike Lafayette. La Vitola, excuse me, co-founder and CEO of Foxtrot Markets. They are opening here in DC. One is opening in Georgetown on March 1st. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. So um, Foxtrot Markets is got this really cool vibe and aesthetic. Uh, you're curating local products. Tell me a little bit about the concept and how you guys came up with it. Sure. So the concept is what we call the modern corner store. So what does that mean? You know, we really want our spaces to be sort of what those old general stores used to be, which was like a gathering place for the community. And, you know, what that's kind of turned into um, in terms of our stores is really a, you know, busy kind of coffee shop in the morning that turns into a cafe midday and then a great little wine shop and market uh, at night. And, and so it's a space that 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 uh, kind of morphs and changes throughout the day, but you know, hopefully, is relevant to um, whatever you have uh, creating for. Well, I think you bring up an interesting point. So, like in New York City, there are corner stores literally on every corner. But you know, as cities like um, Boston, Philly, Chicago, 
uh, Austin, DC, you know, some of these cities that are really revitalized right now, you don't have those corner markets. You just have grocery stores, right? So there's not a lot of that happening. Um, is that where you sort of got the idea? Absolutely, yeah. And if you think about the the stores that are there, they're typically, you know, one of a couple of national chains. And it's just really generic product that, you know, no one's excited about, right? So no one's excited to get a, you know, amazing latte from their local corner store or like, you know, a great fresh ba baked uh, baguette or like a killer bottle of wine or discover, you know, a new local, you know, pastry. Like those things just don't exist um, in these corner stores. They're like, you know, the convenience stores are just kind of there out of necessity and they have the categories of stuff that you want. But in, in, in our opinion, the, the sort of quality isn't there. And that's what really, you know, spurred us to start the company first online. And then now of course in retail was to really be a home for, for, for all these great brands and local makers. Uh, so you did start online. So how did you go about getting the product to the people for, you know, online and how were you curating things then? And how has that changed now that you have brick and mortars? Sure. So yeah, when we first started, we were online only and kind of the thesis was, you know, all the big guys have figured out, you know, what, what, what consumers want in the convenience category, but we can go in and actually go find the best stuff. Right. So, you know, strike up partnerships with, again, the local bakers and the craft beer guys and, you know, sort of everything, everyone doing cool, cool things around town. Um, so we were delivering it for the first two to three years of the company, but there is no sort of retail space where all the stuff was, was, was showcased. And, you know, we, we were kind of curated all behind the scenes when we opened up our first retail store about three years ago, it was really meant to essentially be a warehouse for the e-commerce business, but we could, we, but we put a cool little coffee bar in there because I was pretty much living out of this thing. And all of a sudden the neighborhood just grew up around it and people were coming in, hanging out, having coffee meetings there, having a glass of wine after work. And it really became, you know, the embodiment of, of, of the curation of the product. So in the past couple of years, we've had a ton of fun experimenting around, you know, what retail should be in this convenience format. And really what, what we've landed on and what we've been really excited about has, you know, kind of taken shape here in Georgetown and then, you know, very quickly in, in, in Mount Vernon, where about, you know, half the space is that market and, and really is that, you know, kind of functional space to, you know, grab something for a quick breakfast or to throw together a quick dinner. And then the other half of the space is really a gathering place, right? And it's a place for you to, you know, kind of pop out, meet a friend, meet a family member, just take a minute for yourself and kind of chill. Um, and, and it's, and it, it sounds like a lot, but it actually blends together really nicely. Well, it does. It does sound like a lot. I'm not surprised about the blend because I think it's um, an incredible use of space, right? I mean, if you're gonna have a brick and mortar, you gotta pay for that square footage. So you should be using it breakfast, lunch and dinner and beyond, right? Um, so earlier, uh, I think in December, we had Eric Werner Yang on the show. He was uh, involved in a competition you guys were doing as a judge because people were sort of pitching a la like Shark Tank, I guess. Yes. Um, were pitching their products to be featured in the store. So can you tell us a little bit about how that wound up and who the winners were? Yeah, sure. So, you know, this all kind of started from something that was happening pretty naturally in the stores, which is, you know, um, sort of local makers around Chicago and in Dallas where we were would constantly be coming in the store and, you know, kind of showcasing all the new stuff that they were coming up with, right? And so for, you know, uh, in, the lifeblood of our company is finding those new local makers who are doing something super, super interesting and need a platform to showcase it. So 
we were doing, you know, we were probably onboarding a couple dozen brands um, a year. And we realized that in many cases, you know, by getting on to the Foxtrot shelves, they were able to kind of prove out their business, their business model, get, you know, really great kind of customer insights that they would then take and, you know, grow grow the business much larger. So Up and Comers was our first um, competition that, like, like you said, launched in December to really put out the call wider for anyone doing something really innovative, interesting in food and beverage to um, get it in front of us, get it in front of our buyers um, and hopefully, um, you know, earn a spot on the shelf. And so we're super, super excited. We crowded sorry, crowned five winners, but more importantly, we're bringing on 35 net new brands to our assortment, which is 35 brands that, you know, many of them, we are going to be their, their, their um, first spot in, in retail. So uh, one of my favorite winners was the company that won best in DC, which is surprisingly baked, which is just the most amazingly creative um, cookies, brownies, pastries, and in, in, in most cases, <laughs> combinations uh, of all those things. So you'll see a pretty wide assortment um, of their stuff when we open up the joint. So, are now. you selling their baked goods? Or are you selling yes. their pro like product to bake at home? Oh, baked goods. Okay. Yeah. So, cookies, brownies, all kinds of fun stuff. And um, with these kinds of fun concepts, you guys are really rolling out a lot of promotions. Uh, you have an app. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're using tech to communicate with uh, your consumer? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, we started off e-commerce only. It was uh, delivery only and then kind of got into retail. And so if you look at how how customers shop with us now, um, about 50 percent of our sales come from e-commerce. So come from customers hopping on the app and ordering sort of everything in the store for under an hour uh, delivery. And then the other 50 cent or 50, 50 cent, 50 percent comes from. <laughs> Be careful uh, what you say on air. I uh, know. <laughs> Uh, the, other, the other 50% comes from, you know, customers walking through the front door and shopping with us in person. So e-commerce is really, really at the forefront of everything we do. Everything in the store is available for delivery in under an hour. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's Saturday morning. We'll have, you know, bacon and bagels and all the fixings to make a Bloody Mary. And tonight we'll, we'll have great kind of, you know, uh, charcuterie boards and cool bottles of wine. So really Foxtrot is your home to get that stuff, um, get that stuff delivered. And then when you're shopping around the store, the same app that you use to order for delivery, there's little QR codes on a lot of the bottles of wine and a lot of the, of the local products that you can discover, you know, why we were so excited about putting those items on the shelf. But you have a, do you have a SOM in each market? I mean, that's a, uh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So our main beverage director, Dylan, is based in Chicago, but he's spent a ton, a ton of time out here in DC over the last couple of months, getting to know all the local distributors, um, especially on the wine and craft beer side. So he definitely has the best job in, in the whole company, but you know, you'll, 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 you'll see a highly local assortment when you um, stop in the store. Right. And so um, let's also talk about the coffee program, because yes. it sounds like it's an important part of what you're doing. And D.C. takes its coffee super seriously. Yes, uh, as they should. So, you know, we have been looking at the D.C. market for about two and a half years. And when we were scouting our first locations, you know, um, we spent a lot, a lot of time with the local coffee roasters around town. Right. Like that first location is almost exactly as important as 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 who our local roaster was going to be so thrilled that we're launching with vigilante coffee we've gotten another team over the last year and a half um and so we've got our own 
Foxtrot blend with them dialed in, but then we're also roasting a lot of their single origins that are rotating kind of kind of based on on availability. So Vigilante is a big, big part um, of our launch and and will be the um, the, the featured uh, being across all the stores. But you are also, you know, you're featuring District Donuts, you have Jenny's Ice Cream, you have a lot of locals in there. How did you go about curating like what else people can find there? I mean, since you've been doing this for a while, there must be some data that backs up the kinds of products that you keep on the shelves. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of data and and we sort of have, you know, twofold because we also have all the online purchasing data too, right? So we know what consumers are loving in the store, what 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 they're loving online and where to kind of take risks. But you got to blend that with, you know, so that's kind of the science part, but the art part is just, you know, taking risks and, and, and going out there and finding stuff that, you know, might not have a home in retail yet, but we know um, is just going to be great. So our, our merchandising team has spent, you know, like better part of a year um, out here meeting with, with, you know, brands that we've heard of around town, brands that have reached out to us. And then, you know, ones that we've just kind of, kind of sought out and, and that's how you get this really interesting mix of, of sort of what's cool and interesting happening nationally but then all the great stuff in dc like you know ice cream jubilee um pluma on the bakery side like their bread is unbelievable and their pastries are super super good um and so it's this really interesting mix of you know kind of brands that you know trust and you you can count on us for but then also if you're looking to discover something new we have your back there as well well, so we have about two minutes left and I wanted to ask, I mean, listen, you're opening up in Georgetown and you're opening up in uh, Mount Vernon, uh, two great neighborhoods. Um, but Georgetown, you know, you're pulling in also tourists and you're pulling in from the schools. Um, how are you set up to handle COVID? Because um, we're still in it. We are definitely, definitely still in it. So um, yes, I will say that the uh, the original store design has been heavily modified and, you know, really where it shows up the most is in our cafe seating, right? So we have a much expanded patio from, from, from when we um, had originally planned to launch. And so we took a lot of the seating that was in store and moved it outside and the neighborhood around Georgetown has been super, super supportive in helping us, um, us do that. So inside, it actually feels a lot more you know, airy because so much of the seating has been um, removed and we want to make sure that there's enough space when people are waiting in line and um, and uh, shopping around the store. So we are all excited for the day when we can fill that store back in with 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 all the cool seating. Um, mm -hmm. But for now, it's going to be mostly outside. Okay, and I have one last question. So if I come in, let's say at four o'clock, can I order a glass of wine and then walk around and peruse the shelves and like shop with my glass of wine? You can definitely order a glass of wine or what my favorite thing to do is, is you can buy a bottle of wine off the shelf and we'll hand you <laughs> um, like a real glass or two glasses, depending on who you're with and you can open it right there. So I think about as often as like the cheapest date you can have, because you can usually open up a killer bottle with a no, no uh, corkage fee. And corkage fee. Yeah, I love that. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited that you guys are opening up here. And um, I've already received one of your packages. And it's filled with all sorts of deliciousness. So uh, tell everybody, please, where they can download the Foxtrot app. Yes, so go to foxtrotco.com and you will get your $25 off as a first time customer and get to see all the great stuff we have launching in DC. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. This is Nikki Thanks Nellis, so Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. And we're back on Foodie and the Beast. Uh, if you have not downloaded that Foxtrot app during the commercial break, 
I advise you to do it as soon as the show ends. So as we've been talking throughout the whole show, there's a lot of people doing really new and exciting things. Uh, my next guest has really come up with an incredible concept. So Mise en Box is Thibaut Lignier's uh, idea, and she is really executing it beautifully. It's a restaurant meal kit, not restaurant quality, restaurant meal kits to your doors, prepped by the chefs you love. So this is a great idea. It's a beautiful concept. So timely. Uh, Tabo, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Nikki. It's such an honor to be on the show. I've had a chance to listen to some of your episodes and, and I love what you do. So I'm, oh. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> thank you. That's so nice of you. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's back up. What, uh, how did you come up with me? I mean, I know what me's and places. Yep. How did you come up yep. with me's on box? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great question. So I'll start off by saying that um, I'm one of two co-founders. My co-founder's uh, name is Danny Bin. He's not here with us. He just had a baby. So congratulations to Danny. Um, we started the concept, you know, initially because we were interested in finding a way to support restaurants throughout this pandemic. Like many of us, uh, you know, realized that the restaurant industry has been really hard hit by what's been going on since COVID started. We um, quickly figured out that the biggest thing that the restaurants needed was alternative revenue stream, but that wasn't necessarily operationally taxing for them because, you know, we were initially thinking maybe we could help them get into ghost kitchens and other things. But the challenge with that is that there's sort of a staff change. There's a little bit of, you know, change in your procedure and your SOP. Whereas with meal kits, like this is something that restaurants already do. And so, as you said, Mise en place is something that most restaurants are very sort of familiar with. It's a, it's a term that means everything in its place. So all the sort of vegetables chopped up, all the meat uh, marinated, everything ready so that when somebody places an order, the stuff is just ready to go. You don't have to wait in the restaurant or for your takeout for an hour. Um, and so this is something that restaurants were already doing. And with mise en box, what we thought was that, okay, what if we extended this mise en place um, concept and made it available for the consumer to buy. And that's exactly what it is, that the restaurant sort of already prepping all the, all the food and everything that, that goes into sort of your final meal. And instead of giving you that final finished meal, we give you the prepped ingredients for you to finish at home. And so you get as close as possible to that restaurant food in your home. So how did you go about approaching different restaurants with a concept? Because yep. um, I, I think you have a really good point, right? Like ghost kitchen pop-ups, all that. It's while they are other revenue streams, there is an investment to make. And even exactly. with kits, there's an investment to make. You have to find the product, you have to try it out, blah, blah, blah. So you guys are kind of coming in saying like, no, 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 we do that. We'll have the containers and the whatever we need to make your product work at home, right? Right. So how yes, did you yes, get in front of the restaurant people? how did you get in front of people? So initially, the way we started it was that we found that a lot of restaurants were already trying to get creative around uh, shipping stuff to consumers. Um, they were making sort of meal kit-like um, uh, concepts available to uh, um, to their consumers for holiday seasons. For example, there was a big one that was like a Thanksgiving, you know, turkey that's sort of partially prepared and you have all the different fixings that go with it, but separated into different containers. So the idea mm -hmm. of sort of giving the consumer something that they had to do the last mile preparation at home, we discovered a lot of restaurants understood that, um, particularly because they were trying to adapt their business model right now. 
So we then approached those restaurants and said, what if we took it like a, a step back? And actually, you know, instead of sort of giving them the, the prepared thing that they just throw in the oven, like almost like a microwave dinner, you give them a little bit more space to, to sort of um, work on this like a little bit more, to heat it up, to like saute it in different ways. And the restaurant seemed very amiable to this because to them, it was actually like an easier lift as, as long as we were, as you say, able to sort of help them with the packaging, help them figure out exactly how this thing is going to ship out to the consumer. They were happy with that. And so we found that there hasn't been a lot of resistance as far as sort of getting the restaurants over that hurdle of understanding exactly what we are shipping to the consumer, if that makes sense. Well, no, it does make sense. And honestly, I mean, given the DC market, which is where you've launched, you already have a really educated consumer, right? So people are, right? So people are already kind of used to sort of finishing products at home, right? Whether they buy, you know, those big blue apron kind of thingies, which I don't, I don't yes. know if that's available anymore, but, you know, <laughs> or even go into a market and, you know, they sort of have kits ready for you, but this is a couple steps further. Like you, I tried the ramen, right? And yes. the ramen, it, it really did not need a lot of work to get to the finished product, right? So how, let's talk about, let's first let's list some of the restaurants you're working with and yep. talk about like what you think is the best uh, sort of example of yeah yeah. So I think I think actually the one that you you brought up is actually a really good example. And I'm glad that you enjoyed the ramen, by the way. Um, so and and I'm also glad that you found it somewhat easier to produce than what a sort of typical meal kit is, because that's exactly the point, right? When you get a meal kit that's pretty much just pre. Um, you know, measured. It's just pre- yeah, it's just pre-measured, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It takes a lot of work to get you to sort of uh, the level of, you know, finished product that you would want. Whereas we're trying to sort of make it much easier for you to like that gap between sort of what you are preparing and like what your expectations are is a little bit shorter. And so with the restaurant, for example, with the ramen, the biggest thing for ramen is the broth, right? That you need to get a broth that actually tastes a certain way and that brings out that sort of flavor um, that, you know, you expect when you go to an actual ramen place. And so that's the ingredient that we control the most. So when we ship it to you from the restaurant, that ingredient will actually be pretty much like prep and ready to go. You pretty much just have to heat it up. Everything mm-hmm. else is sort of secondary to that, right? The noodles are a little bit easier to create, even though they are homemade noodles. Like, I mean, not homemade, but uh, restaurant made. Uh, prepared mm-hmm. by the chef so that you also get that sort of quality you know it's not like the ramen that you get at Safeway or you know Giant or anywhere else it's something that you actually sort of can um, you know get as close to sort of what your restaurant experience is going to be another mm-hmm. example that I'll bring up is is uh, the Montreal meat sandwich by Papa Patisserie and mm-hmm. so they do a sandwich that's sort of um, uh, a cross between corned beef and pastrami it's like uh, the, the traditional name is called Viand Fumet and it's sort of a Montreal smoked meat, typically served on rye bread with, with mustard. And this is sort of a, a famous dish that was developed by Jewish delis in Montreal and influenced by New York City's pastrami. It's really delicious. And so the biggest mm-hmm. thing with that one is that it's, it's sometimes difficult to find that particular type of meat in the store. And so, you know, Montreal Papa Patisserie sources that makes it available to you, but then also gives you instructions on how to prepare it to get you as close as possible to what you would get in the, the actual restaurant. They even give you the bread, the mustard, all the accoutrements that come with it so that your sandwich at home is like- But you assemble it. 
Exactly, exactly. Because I'm pretty sure like we can all relate to this idea of like getting that takeout or delivery food when it gets to your house. It's a little bit cold. Maybe it's mushy. Maybe it's like, you know, been turned upside down. And so it's like all over the box. And that's no, no, exactly no. I am a, to... I am a corned beef fan and a pastrami yeah, fan. Okay, great. So I know Fantastic. that that mustard needs to be right and it can't get soggy. Exactly. No, I'm talking about it. Okay. So exactly. we only have two minutes left because time flies. Okay. I just want to talk yes. about, so you're also featuring the paella from Chiquette, which I think yes. is amazing. Yes. That... Danny Lito. Yes. Great. That was the next one that I was going to tap um, on. Actually. And how does so that come? In the, okay. In the last two minutes, yeah. So I'll. So basically, this one also comes in separated sort of uh, um, uh, pa uh, packets. And so we have mm -hmm. the sofrito, the stock, the rice, and then uh, the saffron, sort of separated out. And then the seafood itself is a seasonal seafood medley that is all individually packaged and kept cold, which is how we, you know, ship everything to keep it fresh for you when it gets to the house. The nice mm -hmm. thing about this one as well is that you have the option to get the pan, the paella pan. So Chef Danny, mm -hmm. uh, Danny Lado from Chiquet actually thinks that that's kind of a big part of preparing this meal is that the actual sort of uh, pot that you use. And so what that means is that, you know, you can come back to this over and over again and, and order it again and again, but all the ingredients are sort of prepped and ready for you because the seasoning is one of the biggest things in this in this particular dish. And I know out well, of time, I, so I'll, I'll stop there for any last question. Okay, so yes, I mean, it's an amazing concept. I love who you're working with. Tell everybody where they can find you. Okay, so they can find us on misenbox.co. So it's not .com, it's .co. And mm -hmm. then on Instagram, we're at the misenbox. Um, and that also is the same on Facebook. And uh, if there are any restaurants out there that are also interested in working with us, we're always looking for additional restaurant partners. You know, get in touch via the website or via our um, Instagram. And the last thing I'll say is this, that you, we are giving off 10% to your first uh, meal kit order uh, to anyone out there interested. And we're also hosting custom events. So if you are an organization or corporation that wants to have some a different level of engagement with your employees or, you, or the people mm -hmm. in your organization, get in touch with us. Great. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. I think it's great. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today on Foodie and the Beast, even though I am beastless, but it was still a great show. So you know where you're drinking on Tuesday. You're celebrating Maxwell Parks uh, in uh, the Navy Yard, their second anniversary, uh, their first anniversary. And uh, don't forget, it's almost picnic season. You want to check out Picnic and Peonies. Uh, Foxtrot opens on March 1st in Georgetown. It sounds like such a gorgeous market. You need to check it out. And now you know what you're doing for dinner, thanks to Mise en Box. So thank you for joining me, Nikki Nellis. Please mask up, socially distance. The light is at the end of the tunnel and have a delicious week.